our scripture passage for today comes from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Let us listen to God's word. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in this earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When you really know someone, you can talk without words, right? My family has been known to do this a time or two. If someone really likes something you did, maybe a surprisingly delicious meal or a moving story, you get an mmm. If they really liked it, you'd get the first mmm, but then as the goodness is bouncing around in their mouth and they realize it's better than they first thought, the second mmm pops out, right? Mmm, mmm. Translated out into words, that roughly translates to something like, did you cook this or did Jesus just come back? Mmm, mmm. I want more of whatever that is. But you know the word mmm can be very contextual. The meaning can change from family to family, from person to person, and the more mmms is not necessarily better, at least not in my family. Because you see, in my family, if they thought what you did was adequate, but pretty much expected, you'd get the mmm, mmm, mmm. That last one is important. That last one really says something. It's the third rail of ums, and it cancels out the other two, and it takes you from triumph to, eh, that was just adequate. But um can adapt to be a little bit more judgmental. If someone thought that what you did was inadequate and did not measure up, they changed the front because, hmm, was a different story, especially if it came from my mother. And the lower the register of said, hmm, the more in trouble you were. So when that hmm was really in those bass notes, you knew you knew you'd done messed up and you better start apologizing. And if hmm gets quiet, bad news bears. If that hmm gets quiet, you need to start apologizing, and you know that somebody's feelings are hurt. These things we say without words are deeper than the words we could possibly give them. The meal isn't just good, it's mm-mm, and you didn't just mess up, it's huh, deeper than words. We have that in church, too. If the sermon or the anthem, something is just wonderful after the service, one of you, usually with a Baptist heritage, will say, I almost gave you an amen, right? Almost, 
because we're not quite brave enough to do it here in the Presbyterian church, but I almost gave you an amen. In Hebrew, amen is a word, but for us it's deeper than a word. It says more than words can say. It says that connected with me. It says your mouth was moving, but I heard God speaking. It says when I showed up this morning, I needed to hear that, but I didn't know that I needed to hear that. Amen says thank you. God, I see you. Amen is deeper than just a word. In Hebrew, amen means truth. But more than that, it means so be it. Someone gives a speech, you agree. At the end, you say amen, so be it. You see, this passage in Isaiah, it precedes the birth of Jesus by over 500 years. But this is God's promise of an amen. Here is my servant whom I uphold. I am supporting him. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And whatever happens in his life, in my son's life, whatever comes, he will say, Amen. So be it. If this is the cost, then I will pay it. It's a passage we understand in the light of the life Jesus lived. Isaiah says he will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. When Jesus would preach God's truth, that gospel that is for all people, lots of people didn't like it. They didn't respond so well. Some people mocked him. They argued with him. Some people even spit on him. And yet Jesus never spoke back. He never raised his voice in the streets. Instead, Jesus' reply was a little bit deeper than that. It was without words. His reply was, Amen. So be it, as this is the cost. So be it. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. When Jesus was attacked, we forget, but he could have commanded an army of angels to defend him. And they really easily could have broken his enemies and bruised them like reeds. He could have called fire from heaven to incinerate the soldiers that arrested him or the crowds that mocked him, poofed out like a dimly burning wick. But he didn't. He took their abuse and said, Amen, so be it. If this is the cost of showing them God's love, then so be it. Our passage from Isaiah this morning never mentions the word love, but love is behind it. And not a mushy-gushy, happily ever after, no hearts and rainbows kind of love. We're talking about a loyalty love, an outrageous love. We reject God, forget God, ignore God. We hate on God, blame God, deny God. And God takes it all, looks at all of our sins, all of us, and says, so be it. I still love you. I love you if you're hitting me, if you say I'm a plague or an illusion, if you forget me for a year, I still love you. At some point with God, you might get the hmm which means you better start apologizing as soon as you figure that out. 
But God never stops loving us. When you describe this kind of outrageous love, it is not human. It is beyond us. But you know what's so amazing is that God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, allows us to love others in the same way. God invites us to love like that. He equips us to love like that. This love that is beyond human, through God's Spirit, lets us love with a so-be-it kind of love. Deeper than words. Love. Doubt me. Hate me. Scream at me. Judge me. Envy me. You can do whatever, but I still get to say, come what may, I choose to say, so be it. Amen. See, God's amen is a baby. The promise in Isaiah is brought forth through the birth of a baby. And maybe the birth of a baby gives a little bit of light, but frankly, it does not blind us. A baby is an invitation to love, not a demand. You can ignore it, and we should remember that many did, and many still do. But that's why at Christmas we don't shoot off fireworks, because this is a subtle miracle, a subtle reminder of love, so we light candles to honor the subtlety of the power of this miracle. A child has been born to us. A spark in the night. A seed has been planted, but His holy gift of hope and peace and joy and love will have to grow up within us. Slow. It's slow. It's hard. It's hard for hope and joy and peace and love to have room. Other things have to move out of the way. It's hard, but you can never give up on love. It does not matter how hurt you have been, how old you are, or how dark the prospects are. You cannot stop loving, or you will remain lost in the dark. Dr. King famously said, if man has not found something worth dying for, he is not fit to live. So choose something. You have to choose something, to love something, to really live, to really be alive. We need to risk enough to choose something or someone and say, whatever this costs, so be it. Deeper than words, love. Love like God. Love. This morning I'd like to describe to you this phenomenon of the mom purse. You see, I always carried a small purse. I like my small purse. I'm efficient. I like being efficient. So I only carry a small purse. And this is why. Everywhere I go, from high school to college to anywhere else, I have five things in my purse at all times. Five. No more. Only five. Wallet. Sunglasses. Chapstick purse, keys, and cell phone. Five things. Nothing more goes in this purse. I do not need safety pins and napkins and Kleenexes and markers in my purse. All I need are five things. And you know why I only need five things? Because I have a wallet. And if I need something, I can buy it with my wallet. 
So I think you only need five things in your purse. So we went to Columbia to pick up the seven-year-old with my small purse and five things inside. I'm stubborn, so I refused to get a bigger purse the entire three weeks we were there. You can imagine how this goes. I then had my purse with my five things, wallet, chapstick, sunglasses, phone, and keys, and I had the seven-year-old stuff in my hand. Coloring book under the arm, jacket draped over the purse, markers in this hand, a water bottle in this one. But I was just stubborn enough that for three weeks, this is how we traveled. Small purse, five things, and my hands loaded down with the seven-year-old's stuff. We make it through the three weeks in Columbia, and the day came that we were going to travel home. At this point, I looked into my future, and I said to myself, a small purse with your hands loaded down with the seven-year-old stuff is a bad idea for a 12-hour day in the airport because that seven-year-old has legs, and she can run, and you need two hands free at all times to get a seven-year-old through a 12-hour day in the airport. So I broke down, and for the first time in my life, I bought what I call a mom purse. It's massive. It's huge, and it made that day in the airport phenomenal. Everything fit in there so much so that Mary Poppins would be proud. Markers come out of the purse, coloring books, jacket. You need to take your shoes off here. Stick them in my purse. Everything fit inside a mom purse. As you can imagine, we've now gotten back. I still have the mom purse, but I'm back to my efficient self. If she needs anything, she can carry it on her backpack. But I have my five things still in my purse. I clean out all the seven-year-old stuff and I go about my life. This week, I walked into my husband's office with my mom purse. Hold this, I said to him. What do you notice about this purse? And he picks up this big old white purse and he says, man, that's heavy. It must be because you have all this stuff in it. Uh-huh. Open it, I said to him. Open the purse and see what's in it. So he opens the purse sitting in my office, and let me tell you what he pulled out of my purse. A wallet. Chapstick. Sunglasses. Keys. And a cell phone. That's it. Five things in my purse. My five things inside of my purse. And yet, it still weighed 20 pounds more than it ever has before. Which brings me to what I am calling the mom purse phenomenon. It needs to be studied. Somebody needs to look into this. I have a mom purse with nothing that belongs to the seven-year-old in said purse, and it still weighs 20 pounds more than it ever has before. I have this sneaking suspicion that my purse will forever weigh more than it ever did. It's heavy. But that's the weight of love. Heavy with hopes, expectations, dreams, worries. Heavy with love. God promises in Isaiah to send His Amen, a baby who would not cry or lift His voice, a baby to bring forth justice. And when that baby grew up in hope, peace, joy, and love, He picked up a cross. And that cross was heavy. 
That is the weight of love. Church, we are God's amen. You and me, we are God's amen. And because of that, Jesus picked up that cross because when God looks at us, He doesn't just like us. It's so much deeper than that. He looks at us with our fears and failures, dirty with sin. He looks at us and He says, "Mm -mm." for you, whatever it costs, so be it. And then it's us. We are to look at each other, not a perfect person in this room. Look at our families. Don't always like each other. But if we look with God's eyes, if we look with hope, holding peace, chasing joy, what else can we say? Sorry, it's too heavy. I think I'll bow out on this one. No. We get to look at one another carrying the weight of each other. We get to look at each other as the people of God and say, Mm-mm. whatever the cost, so be it. It's heavy. It's heavy. Carrying our cross always will be. But that is the weight of love. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you all the thanks and the glory for looking at us humans, sinners, and deciding that we were worth the cost. Lord, today we see just a light through the birth of Jesus Christ. We see just this dim light And we remember the subtlety of this miracle of sending your Son to this earth, this Son that would grow up, would grow up in hope and peace and joy and love, would grow up and eventually would take up his cross to save each and every one of us. Today we simply stand and say thank you. Thank you for caring about us enough, for loving us enough that you did whatever you had to because we are worth it. Send us out to love in the same way that you love us. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.